Hello and welcome everybody. Welcome to the Ecom Sales Tax Podcast. In this podcast, it's all about helping e-commerce sellers and their advisors keep up with the constantly changing world of sales tax. Now, so let's get started. And I'm Andy Johnson and we've got Mike Fleming. Hi, Mike. Hey, Andy. How you doing? All right, Mike. So uh, we're going to keep people up to date. What's going on in the world of e-commerce sales tax? Well, we've got another letter from Amazon or another memo going out to uh, sellers. Um, it's really not new information. Um, it has been sent out before, but not everybody got it the first time. This is the announcement that uh, Amazon is being forced to turn over seller information to the state of Massachusetts. So uh, previously, January 22nd, uh, an announcement went out to a number of sellers, not all sellers, but a number of sellers, uh, stating that their information was going to be handed over by, uh, I believe it was January 26th. And uh, some people were saying, well, I never got one. Well, those people are now getting them now. And uh, it uh, went out last night, and uh, they'll be turning it over uh, uh, to um, uh, the state of Massachusetts the first week of April. So I uh, don't have it in front of me here. I forget the uh, the exact date, but it, it'll so be the first talked week. About this. So uh, we've talked about this a couple of times. So if you look back in the history of the podcast, you'll see that we talked about Massachusetts and uh, it's always a little disturbing. It's very disturbing that a state can force a marketplace, a company like Amazon to turn over state's evidence, you know. Um, so I guess maybe they had some sort of glitch in notifying all of their sellers, and so they're just re-notifying them, and they're going to turn over more information in April. I'm not sure what that all means. There was um, they're turning over the same information as before, um, but it was a lot of. Uh, sellers they have to go through. Uh, they had a short time frame to do it. Uh, Amazon, uh, you know, fought the state of uh, Massachusetts. They were originally ordered to turn this over back in September of last year. Um, but, um, you know, they, they uh, did not comply and it was dragging on in the courts. And uh, I guess they had a short time frame when the court finally said, hey, you got to turn it over. And, um, they did the best they could to meet the deadlines um, is what I'm guessing. I don't have any inside knowledge, uh, but um, uh, the sellers who have sent it over to me this time have said they never received anything the last time. So I'm putting two, to, two and two together. The letter mm -hmm. reads yeah, exactly the same, um, except the dates. The only thing different on these letters is the dates. And and what this means, number one, it's not the end of the world. If you go back to our prior podcast, you'll see that uh, the warehouse in uh, Massachusetts didn't even open until October of 2016. So it's not like they can go back to the beginning of the time. Um, however, um, 
at some point we believe that Massachusetts is going to start acting on this information and you'll probably be getting a nexus questionnaire or call from Massachusetts or something along those lines. Uh, it, to me, it's, it's more of a wake-up call that not all states believe that Amazon should be the one collecting the tax and that some states are going to continue to pursue FBA sellers themselves. So if you have any questions, go back and look at the earlier podcast um, or you know, give us a call. We can talk about your situation um, in specific. Or connect with Mike on LinkedIn and uh, send him a question through that. Even better. That's a good way too. All right, Mike. So that's the latest in Massachusetts. Uh, we talked about that a constant question that we get from e-commerce sellers uh, has to do with drop shipping. So I know you've got some slides about that, and uh, I think this will be really helpful to help people just get a sense of what are the tax issues when it comes to drop shipping. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as I was trying to think up some topics to talk about this week, I, I had a call yesterday. And um, that's what sparked this here, because drop shipping can be so confusing. And, um, and excuse me there. Sharing your screen. Yeah, I'm having a little bit of technical uh, difficulties. Can you see it now? I see it. All right. So uh, this gentleman, uh, he was uh, from overseas and he wanted to uh, sell through Amazon and uh, use Walmart to fulfill those sales. You mean this gentleman in the picture? Oh, yeah, the, the guy who's drowning there. He's <laughs> drowning in, in, in sand. I forget my pictures. I, th I thought you were making fun of my picture again. So <laughs> stop me in my tracks. Um, but anyway, it, it was someone that we were doing a consultation with. And the reason we were doing a consultation with is because they went to Amazon's website and Amazon said, you know, in the state of Wyoming, and he had set up a, an LLC in Wyoming, here's what you need. And he was talking to our salespeople and, and was saying, hey, I need to get registered in Wyoming because I need to give Walmart a uh, certificate for Wyoming because uh, they're going to do drop shipping for me. And our salespeople know enough to say, hey, that's not exactly how this works. So we think that you should actually do a consultation. And I just want to go over some of the basics so that um, uh, you all have a resource uh, to know how dropshipping actually works. And there's a lot of reasons why this is so confusing. But generally, um, it's because it's, you know, two or more transactions, um, terminology, um, every state uses different language to describe this. Uh, there's a lot of misinformation out there, uh, a lot of disbelief. I mean, if when you're told that if you're in Texas and you're shipping something to California and your vendor has to charge you tax in California, yeah, there's just disbelief there. Why? So we're going to touch a little bit on that. And then, um, you know, sometimes your vendors don't understand what they need to be collecting. They, they've just gotten audited or they've got a friend who's gotten audited and they're having knee-jerk reactions. So uh, some of you out there at this point are probably saying, what's dropshipping? Andy, I, I can't believe you haven't asked me what dropshipping is yet. But typical scenario. Hold Let's, on, I was on mute. Okay. I was trying to unmute so I could say, Mike, what's dropshipping? Uh, thank you very much. Um, drop shipping 
is basically when you're selling your something you don't own. So in the scenario um, that we were just talking about, um, this person who wanted to get into drop shipping, he was selling something on Amazon and he didn't own it yet. So when someone purchases that item from him through Amazon, he turns around and he's going to place an order with Walmart. So in this situation, he's the retailer and Walmart um, is going to be what we call the vendor. So um, there's actually two transactions here. There's the transaction between um, the, the person buying, the, the customer buying through uh, Amazon and this uh, retailer. And then the retailer turns around and buys from Walmart. So two separate transactions. And then the retailer in that second transaction, he's going to ask Walmart to ship that uh, product directly to the customer. So you've got uh, two examples of transactions here. That first example is a normal transaction. Customer places an order with you. Uh, you turn around, um, and you're the retailer in this case, and you turn around and ship it uh, to your customer who we're calling the consumer. In a drop shipping scenario, and by the way, there can be multiple parties in a drop shipping scenario. One of our clients one time, there were eight separate parties um, in the uh, uh, in this drop shipping scenario. They wanted me to make heads or tails of it. But for our purposes today, we're going to keep this simple. Just, you know, three parties, two transactions. Um, we've got the consumer. He places the order with you, the retailer. And you then turn around to your vendor. You place an order with them. And then the vendor's shipping it to the consumer. Now, a couple of basics. Um, most of you out there are selling, uh, or I assume most of you, if you're uh, doing drop shipping, uh, are selling what we call tangible personal property. And tangible personal property, something you can see, something you can touch, um, something that's stored on a shelf, um, that's tangible personal property. It's what most uh, e-commerce sellers uh, you know, are, are selling. And the rules for that say that um, the ship-to state, wherever you're shipping that property, that's the state where you want to collect the tax um, or a certificate that's acceptable to that state in lieu of the tax. So it's the ship to state where the sale is sourced to. Um, where the purchaser, and you're the purchaser in this, where you have nexus just doesn't matter. It does not play a role in this. Um, you don't ask your customers if they have nexus when you're gonna charge them sales tax. If you're charging sales tax, it's based upon where you have nexus. And for those of you who don't know what nexus is, just a fancy word to mean link or connection. Um, and it's the link or connection you have to have before the state requires you to collect its sales tax. So if I have nexus in a state, or if you have nexus in a state, you're supposed to collect the sales tax on every taxable transaction or some sort of certificate in lieu of the sales tax. Um, we never ask our customers where they have nexus. So uh, here's why this is so important to your vendors. Um, a state is generally not going to recognize a sale as a sale for resale unless you have it properly documented. So um, going back to our, our example, let's say that you're in Texas 
and your vendors in Oklahoma and the consumer is in uh, California and the Oklahoma vendor says to you, okay, uh, I need you to give me a certificate or I'm going to have to charge you the sales tax. And you go to give them the Texas certificate. And unfortunately, um, California doesn't recognize the Texas certificate. So it's real important in the ship to state um, that they're going to accept the certificate that you're giving. So your uh, Oklahoma vendor should not accept that certificate uh, from you. That That's why they're saying we've got to charge you the tax. So this is where it gets a little bit confusing because every state has different rules on what they can and, and cannot accept. So, and that's what you, your vendor is, you know, they may have never asked you for anything before and then they get audited and now they're saying you need to go out and get registered everywhere. We're going to touch on that in a second. But right now I want to simplify this um, because everyone gets really confused. No matter how many years you've been doing sales tax, drop shipping can be very confusing. But one of the ways to, to, to make this simpler is to look at it as two separate transactions. Everyone wants to look at it as one big transaction. But if you look at it as the two separate transactions, there's the, in our example here, the transaction on Amazon between the consumer and the, and the retailer. That's the first transaction. That's pretty straightforward. You don't have Nexus and you don't have to collect the sales tax, or in this case, the, he didn't have the Nexus. Um, and the second transaction, and in the second transaction, that's where things start to, to get a little bit you know, sticky. So if the vendor has Nexus in the ship to state, they must either collect a certificate acceptable to that ship to state or uh, charge you the sales tax. So um, in most states, um, you're going to be able to provide them some sort of documentation without getting registered in that state. Um, 30, there are 45 states plus Washington, D.C. that actually have a uh, sales tax. In 36 states, um, there's something that you can provide, um, either your home state certificate, um, either a certificate from the ship to state, like in New York, you can actually download a certificate. Uh, you skip section one, which is if you're registered, you go to directly to section two. It's going to ask you where you are registered and what your number is in that uh, state. Pennsylvania, you're going to check box three saying this is a sale for resale. And then on box seven, you're going to check and it's going to say, uh, please tell us why you don't need to have a Pennsylvania number. So you just write in no nexus. So every state will accept something different. Um, but there are 10 tough states out there. And by the way, you're going to hear me say this over and over again. If you get nothing out of this podcast, remember, it doesn't matter to your vendor where you have nexus. They're asking. Hey Mike, so if I could interject a little bit. Okay. First of all, uh, the people on the podcast are thinking, hey, I'd like to see these illustrations that you're talking about. So we're going to make these available in the show notes. But I just want to back up a little bit here because every e-commerce seller, especially if they're on this podcast, knows that wherever that they have to collect sales tax, at least in their home state, and maybe in another state, depending on whether or not they have Nexus. So you know that as a seller, Sometimes you don't think like, hey, that same rule applies 
to my suppliers, right? It just seems like a, a no-brainer that I'm, I'm buying this for resale. So supplier, why are you trying to charge me sales tax? But just like you the, as a seller, now you may not be selling to wholesalers, so you may not experience this, but you have to collect sales tax as a seller everywhere you have Nexus unless your customer gives you a certificate. And if you don't get a certificate, an exemption certificate, resale or otherwise, you you got to collect a tax or you're exposed in an audit situation. Your suppliers, when you're in a dropship situation, face that same burden. You know, wherever your supplier has Nexus, and it could be in lots of places, could just be where they have a factory, but they may have Nexus all over the place. So they have to collect tax wherever they ship the product, not to you, they're not shipping it to you, they're shipping it to your customer. So wherever they ship this product, and if they have Nexus in that ship to location, they either have to collect the tax or collect a certificate. And who do they collect the certificate from and the tax? They collect it from you, even though it's, it's obviously a sale for resale and they agree with that. But to protect themselves, they've got to collect a valid certificate from you, and that's what we're covering. Exactly, and and that's one of the biggest rubs here. This is a customer service nightmare because uh, a lot of retailers out there, they they, hey, this is a sale for resale. What do you mean it's not a sale for resale? And that goes back to the previous slide. If it's not properly documented, which means if it's not on the right form, if it's not on a form that's acceptable to the state, then the state doesn't recognize it as a sale for resale. And they'll go after your vendor for the sales tax. And even one missing certificate, because uh, sales tax audits are done on a sample basis, can have a huge impact. I mean, we could be talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars because of one or a couple of missing certificates. So that's why there's uh, this big crackdown happening now. Um, on and why some of your vendors are making such a big issue of getting these certificates from you. Um, so any follow-up on that, Andy? Nope. All right. So in 36 states, as we were talking about, um, you'll be able to provide either your home state certificate or, you know, we talked about New York and Pennsylvania. Um, but there are 10 states that in, in uh, at least in the seven up on the screen now, um, in most circumstances, you have to be registered in order for the certificate to be valid. Right, uh, Mike. So if I can make sure that I follow this. So you're saying that in many states, it, they will accept. So let's say I'm a Texas, let, let's say I'm a, a Utah dropshipper and my, uh, my vendor, my supplier is in Texas, and but my customers are all over the place. Um, or, or no, let's say my supplier is in Oklahoma. Try to make this simple. And all of my customers that I'm shipping to are in Texas. So I'm the, I'm the seller, and I'm in Utah. My supplier is in Oklahoma, and they have Nexus in Texas, all right? And just so happens that all of my customers are in Texas. I'm not registered in Texas because I have no Nexus there. <clears throat> I'm the supplier. 
what you're saying is Texas is not on this list. So my vendor, my supplier in Oklahoma is going to try to charge me Texas tax because they have Nexus in Texas and the product is being shipped to my customers in Texas. However, Texas will, I can, without getting registered any other place, just my registration in Utah, my, that vendor in Oklahoma will accept my Utah certificate for resale because Texas allows them to accept a Utah resale certificate. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, the language in Texas uh, specifically states it has to be in uh, substantially similar form. And we have been involved in audits where the auditor will say that this is not substantially similar form. So a lot of times the vendor, even if they could accept it, may require you to submit something else. So sometimes this is what the state will accept. Sometimes it's what your vendor will accept. What you can do, and your vendor will definitely accept this, is go to the Texas, uh, go to Google and download, uh, excuse me, type in Texas resale certificate, and one will pop up. And if you look at it, it's going to ask for your information, then it's going to ask for your Texas number. You leave that blank. Directly below that, it says out-of-state number. So that's what you're going to put in. If you're located in this example, you were in Utah, you would write in your Utah number there, um, fill out the rest of the form, and that will definitely work. Okay. So that's, that's great. So that's, some might say, wow, that's really complicated, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're saying <clears throat> that's actually not complicated. In other words, that doesn't merit Texas getting on this most difficult state list. Correct. Here's, here's a difficult state. California is not going to accept anything unless it has a valid California sales permit, sales tax permit number on that certificate. Um, so the only thing that you can do in a state like California, this is why they're number one besides it being uh, alphabetical order. But even if this was in who's the most difficult to work with, it'd be California. Because if you can't provide that, that certificate with the California number, if your vendor's doing this correctly, they must charge you the sales tax. And it's not the sales tax on the wholesale price, not their price to you. It's their price to you plus 10%. And then they're charging the uh, sales tax on top of that. And the sales tax rates in California are pretty high. Uh, the average is going to be 8.54. Sometimes it could be 9%. Um, so if you're selling something for $100, if the sales tax um, uh, it was just on the sales price, it would be $9. But if you're selling it on the sales price plus 10%, now your tax basis is $110. Um, you've got that 9% on there. Now your uh, sales tax is $9.90. And that's coming out of your profits. So if you have one or two sales in, in California, you may just want to pay that sales tax out of your pocket. But if you have multiple sales in California, you may want to just bite the bullet, register voluntarily, because generally the cost of compliance is going to be a heck of a lot less than you paying that $9.90 out of your pocket on every transaction. Gotcha. So that, that really does illustrate when we say it's a difficult state, 
I mean, sales tax is a pain period. And Texas is not a difficult state when it comes to drop shipping because it will accept your out-of-state sales tax number, if not the certificate itself, right? Mm-hmm. But California and some of these others uh, are, are extremely difficult and basically forces you to just get registered in that state so you can issue an exemption certificate. Correct. And by the way, a resale certificate is a type of exemption certificate. Excuse me. Um, Here's a couple more difficult states. Um, They're not on the top seven, but they're still in the top 10. Florida and Louisiana, a lot is going to depend on your uh, vendor. If your vendor has a warehouse inside of, uh, let's say, Florida, and um, the inventory is inside of Florida at the beginning of the transaction. They, your vendor isn't located in uh, Florida. They just have a warehouse there. They definitely have Nexus there, but uh, they're, they're not you know, a, a domestic Florida company. They're, they're basically most of their operations are outside the state. But if the inventory starts off in Florida at the beginning of the transaction, then uh, the vendor is going to have to require the Florida state specific. It's got to be a, you got to be licensed to issue that Florida uh, resale certificate. Now, let's say that they don't have a warehouse in uh, Florida. They just have some salespeople that travel to Florida. And uh, both the retailer and your vendor Uh, are located outside of California. The inventory is outside of California at the time of sale. Well, Florida doesn't recognize that as a Florida transaction. So you don't need a Florida specific certificate. Now that starts getting pretty confusing, especially um, if a vendor doesn't know which warehouse they're going to be shipping from at the beginning of the transaction. So some of your vendors may just make a blanket statement We only accept Florida certificates. Um, But if they don't have a physical location in Florida, then you don't have to provide that to them. They may not understand that. A lot of times our clients call us and say, hey, can you get on the phone with this company? Can you get on the phone with that company? And we're talking about big companies, companies who you think would know what the rules are. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of these big companies have a lot of turnover or they, they just don't devote uh, enough time to stay on top of these things. So um, sometimes it's an education process, letting your uh, uh, vendor know what they can accept that protects them and allows them to not charge you the sales tax. So Florida and Louisiana, very, very similar uh, rules. Uh, Hawaii, um, this one's a a little bit different because in Hawaii – Um, Even if it is a sale for resale, there's still a tax that's charged, except instead of paying a 4% tax, you're going to pay half a percent. So you get a 3.5% break by registering in the state of Hawaii. And then in Illinois, um, Illinois comes right out and tells your vendors that, hey, you're allowed to accept a whole bunch of different types of documentation, but if you do, we're going to audit you uh, in an audit. Um, we're going to ask you a whole bunch of questions, make you jump through a bunch of extra hoops, proving that this was a sale for resale. So we strongly suggest you use one of the Illinois uh, certificates. In order to use that, 
you have to have an Illinois number. Now, Illinois is different than all other states in that they have a special type of number. It's called a resale number. Um, and they're one of the few states that has this. You can, if you don't have any nexus in Illinois, you don't have a reason to collect tax, you can register for this resale number, uh, which will allow you to use the Illinois certificate. Um, your excuse me, your vendor will accept it, um, but there's no uh, other attachments, uh, you, no other strings attached. You don't have to collect sales tax. Uh, be careful, though, when um, if you're going to try to go this route or your vendor's making you go this route. Um, you don't want to be registering for the retailer's occupation tax, which we've seen some people make mistakes. You want to make sure that you're registering for the resale uh, number. And you can put that on the normal certificate, and your vendor should accept that every time. So a couple questions that you know, as vendors, you, excuse me, as retailers, you want to be asking yourself, we talk to a lot of vendors too. We have questions for vendors, but first one is where do you have Nexus? Because if you have Nexus, that's a whole nother conversation, but you really should be getting registered. And once you're registered, then um, you can just give them uh, your certificate for that state. So that's one of the questions you want to ask yourself. Uh, the second question is, uh, where are you currently paying your vendor's sales tax? And look at your invoices. Sometimes I speak to uh, some retailers, they don't even realize they're paying sales tax, but look at that. And uh, in some states, you know, 36 of them to be exact, there's something that you can give them uh, without doing anything else. And you will not have to pay that sales tax anymore. Um, in those 10 states that I mentioned, and you know, if you count Illinois, 11 states, but in those 10 states, you've got to make a, a business analysis. Does it make sense for me to register or should I continue to pay this sales tax? Um, and, you know, you can look at the rest of those questions there. They pretty much all tie back to the, to the same uh, underlying theme here that sometimes you can actually save money by getting registered to collect sales tax because the cost of compliance, if you're doing a lot of business, is generally going to be less than the sales tax you're paying out of your pocket because if you're not registered to collect sales tax, um, you can't collect it. And Andy, I want to make one big point here, and we've I think we've talked about this before. If not, we have another podcast coming up. In this scenario, we have heard uh, a lot of stories, and some people have come to us and told us, you know, first person. They would be collecting the sales tax um, on Amazon because they're paying the sales tax to Walmart. And in their mind, they think that, hey, since I'm paying the sales tax to Walmart, I can just put that uh, sales tax in my pocket from uh, Amazon, and you cannot. That's a cardinal sin. Uh, we hear this more often with people doing drop shipping from eBay and buying from Amazon and uh, uh, selling on eBay, but you'd actually sell on eBay and then buy from Amazon. And this is a, a cardinal sin. Um, people you know, you can get criminal penalties in addition to the civil penalties. That's why you never want to put the sales tax in your pocket. If you're right. doing this the correct way, then um, some states allow you to take a credit 
for the sales tax you paid, but then you still have to be approved to collect the sales tax, number one. And number two, you have to remit the difference to the state. All right. <clears throat> well, a lot of uh, questions answered, Mike, and I predict over time this will be one of our highest searched out podcasts because dropshipping comes up all the time. So with that, though, um, <clears throat> if you have further questions, the best way to, to get those questions answered is to hook up with Mike on LinkedIn. Those of you who are members of our inner circle, then you get to ask your questions inside our private Facebook group. So please, uh, when you link up with Mike on LinkedIn, uh, just look for ask him for more information on how to become an inner circle member so that uh, you can get your answers. Um, along with the um, question show notes, uh, we will post a, a, a download of this slide deck that Mike shared. So Mike, thanks again. Uh, look forward to our next podcast. Thanks, Andy. See everyone soon.